Welcome to the High Hopes Phillies Minor League Rundown. I'm Jason Springer here with Jeff Cohen, following the journey of the players chasing their dreams in the Phillies farm system. Jeff, it was an up and down week. We had seasons end for some of our teams. We have Reading in the playoffs. But let's start with a little bit of sad news. Tell me about Chase Numata. So Chase Numata was a Phillies draft pick a few years ago uh, from Hawaii. Uh, I had the chance to meet him a few years ago, and he was one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. And I don't have to say that. It's his teammates that people should look at. People should go to social media and see the tributes that have poured out. He had an unfortunate incident on a, a motorized skateboard, I believe. And uh, it's just a tragic incident. But if you if you really want to get the sense of team and teammates, believe it or not, the person that I'm going to tell you to go look at their Twitter account is Dylan Cousins. And I know P- Dylan Cousins has always kind of been a standoffish kind of guy. But not not in the tweet he put out about Chase Numata. It, it was it was an incredibly touching, heartfelt tweet. You could feel the pain. You could feel how much he loves him. And you know, I think we should just end that part of the discussion saying, look, I don't know what his health insurance situation was, but he has a lot of medical bills. He has family that has to come over, and there's a GoFundMe page, and people should go to that uh, GoFundMe page and and contribute to it because because. He's the kind of person that you would want in your life. It really is amazing to see the impact that he had on uh, different people, different teams, and the response that there's been this week. So uh, let's leave that there. It's always hard to transition off something like that, but we wanted to talk about that first. Um, then let's get to last night out in Reading. Uh, Jeff, I had texted you because Spencer Howard was dealing 12 strikeouts, and then all of a sudden, Reading wasn't winning. You know, the, the one thing about Spencer Howard is we we saw him last year in the playoffs, and what did he do? He right. threw a no hit no hitter in the playoffs, and in his first double A playoff game, what did he do? Twelve strikeouts. I mean, he was just dominant. Unfortunate. And by the way, Derek Hall three clutch RBIs, but in the end, uh, they gave it up in the ninth inning, and, and it was four three. Uh, defeat, and we got to hope for better things tonight. So the series will continue against the Thunder uh, this week and this weekend. They have a game tonight, and then they head to Trenton. Any thoughts on what you expect? We'll we'll get to David Parkinson. What we decided to do was go back and and do a flashback. We have an interview with uh, Coach Williams, who we never actually played from early in April. And then we have a talk that we did with David Parkinson when we were in spring training, who will be the starting pitcher tonight. Any thoughts before we play those about what's going on with the team in the playoffs? I just think as people listen to it, that it's an interesting um, contrast to see where things are at the beginning of a season and the mentality and where they ended up. At. And I think that you'll be able to tell from uh, Manager Williams' interview and from the way that David Parkinson prepared that this season and this playoff run was inevitable. This was a close team. They did things the right way, and they had a manager and a system that was supportive of them. It definitely is something that you you could see coming. We've talked about the strength of this team, but let's be honest, they're they're playing the the Trenton Thunder team, who has a lot of rehabbing Yankees on the team right now, Jeff. It's, that's so frustrating. I mean, look, I understand that the minor, the minor leagues exist to beat the major leagues, but when you get to the playoffs, have, having a major league doing his rehab is kind of a disadvantage for the team that doesn't have a major league or doing the rehab. All right. Well, let's get to the Williams and Parkinson's interviews, and then we'll come right back and talk about everything else before the game tonight. 
We are here at Reading with Fightin's manager Sean Williams. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Yourself? Good. How is it to get back home? You guys started a season on the road back here in baseball town. What's it been like? Uh, it's been awesome. Uh, yesterday was a great atmosphere um, with all the fans that were here. Um, it was a well-played game and just uh, I love this place. I just love the, uh, like you said, the baseball town. They're all about the baseball here and and uh, they come out and show it. We talked with you last season on the phone from Clearwater. What's the transition been like for you from Clearwater to up here to Reading this season? I think it's been um, it's been outstanding because throughout organization, I think it's the transitions. It's it's pretty it's pretty much the same everywhere you are. So it makes it easy. Um, we have a lot of the same players that we had last year, and pretty much all the guys that are here I've had at some point in the last probably three or four years. So that also helps with the transition. What's it like to have the outfield that you have? Right now, you have what's been touted as this first-round outfield. Um, what's it like to coach these guys and help them with the expectations that they have? Uh, well, first of all, all three of them are great. They're great people, which I think is the most important thing. And um, obviously, like you said, having three first-rounders, I don't even know if that's even been done. I mean, it's, it's got to be a very rare thing. Um, but all three of them are very special players. Um, they all do something to help us. Um, um, has got an extremely high ceiling that um, there's no telling how good he can be because he just keeps getting better and better. Um, Hazley is very consistent, just even keel, great baseball player, does a lot of little things, can really hit. And uh, Randolph, who uh, last year finished the year extremely strong here and, and off to a good start here, had a great spring training. Um, but three guys that uh, are very talented and, and uh, do a lot to help us. In addition to the outfield and the infield, you also have a, a dearth of talent. Um, well, a lot of talent. Um, in in that uh, you had Adonis Medina who will be pitching today, and you had Rosso yesterday. What's it like to have those guys and, and watch them grow? Um, it's it's a great thing because, uh, and like you said, to watch them grow because you see them when we first sign them and they're 16, 17 years old, or they're 18 when we draft them, and and you see how far they come and they grow up and they mature and they get and and even on the field and they and they uh, do a lot of good things and um, like you said Medina tonight he's an exciting guy that has uh, three very good pitches and um, uh, just a lot of fun to watch pitch and, and Rosso he's he's off to an outstanding start but and, and for the young kids out there I meant plethora instead of dearth but get <laughs> I love how he corrects himself interview. Uh, what's it been what's it been like you talk about following the guys through the system you kind of like a proud parent seeing what some of them are doing now based on what they do did when they were younger and they started with you to see them progress and grow and now you're at double a with them as they go through the system and hopefully they keep going i think that's the best part of our job is uh seeing the guys and um, you know like I think about when, when I started in Williamsport Lake when you see the guys that we had there and then guys that are in the big leagues now or um, like you said guys that are you know that started with a couple years ago and now they're here in double A the best part of our job is seeing them and how much they get better and how they grow up and just as people as players it's just uh, it's awesome to see I mean it's it's I think what this is all about we talk to the players a lot about this game being mental as much as it is physical how do you 
you handle that? You have players that come from all different places, different walks of life, different levels of talent, different contracts. How do you handle that atmosphere as a manager and coach in the clubhouse and then here in the dugout during the game? I think that's that's the fun part of, uh, of our job is trying to figure out all the personalities, the different cultures that they come from and trying to be on the same page. Um, it helps when, for me, the players, we have a lot of players on this team that are very good at um, keeping this team together. And I think that's a big part, whether it's, you know, getting to know, like, say it's Lucas Williams getting to know a lot about Adonis Medina to where you got two guys from two different countries that, and you watch them in the clubhouse and they're interacting and talking and, and, and the same thing happens on the dugout because, uh, for me, a very important thing on the field is communication. If you're communicating off the field, it's going to be a lot easier on the field. But it's, uh, for me, it's fun when you see a lot of that, when you see guys from different, all over the all over the U.S., all over the world, and they're playing on one team and, and getting along and, and, and getting after it with one goal. I hear in the clubhouse you're quite the card player. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy playing cards. I enjoy I, yeah, I enjoy playing. It's fun. Well, what's it like to play with the kids? I mean, they're kids to you, but um, what's it like to play with them? It, it's fun because it's, for me, it's, uh, I think, all about just our nature, always competitive. So it doesn't matter if you're on the field playing cards, whatever you're doing, you want to compete and win. So um, I think it's fun to play. You know, we play a lot of, uh, you know, spades and stuff like that and, and to kind of compete. And and uh, it's fun to see guys' reactions with that and, and just the competition. Who's the most competitive? I'd probably say myself, but um, no, they're all like, I mean, I think about all the guys that play. I mean, Lartigue and Hazley, um, they're all, they, they all want to win every hand. And, um, and if not, they're, they're not, they're not happy about it. What do you do when you're not at the ballpark for our fans who don't know you as well, didn't follow Clearwater as close? What, what do you want them to know about you as the guy who is leading their future stars, hopefully? Uh, just for me, I'm, if I'm not at the ballpark, I'm, I'm at home with my family and enjoying the time that I get with them because we don't get to spend a whole lot of time and like even right now I have my family up here for this homestand which is great because um, it's a nice break to kind of get away from to for your, for your mind especially to get away from the field and, and it's all about family but that's pretty much all I do I mean um, any time that I can spend with my family is, is, a, is a plus. Speaking of family you come from a family of baseball what's it like to come from a family that that is so involved in baseball? Um, I've been very very fortunate I mean with my dad and um, and then now my brother who's with Tampa and uh, but my dad's been a huge inspiration for me and he's been a, a huge mentor and helped a lot of things um, not only as a dad but definitely um, on the field and as a player when I played and now managing um, I talk to him pretty much daily to get any kind of insight and he just wants to know how everything's going but um, extremely uh, thankful to have this opportunity and you know with growing up in baseball and being around a lot of great players, a lot of great people, coaches, managers, and just seeing how they do things and doing things the right way. The Phillies organization spends a lot of time encouraging their players to do charity work. Um, what's it been like to part, be part of an organization where they emphasize that so much amongst their players and their organization? I think it's extremely important. It's a special thing. I think even what we did yesterday, we were out at the Dream Field here, which was 
um, a really cool thing. Just a little uh, a field that they've opened up. I think they, last year was the first year they opened it up, but um, just great for these guys to go out there and and uh, interact with a lot of kids and and different people. And it's just a lot. It's just one little thing that you can do to give back because all these uh, kids and people they look up to you, and it's a way to give back to them. And um, it's a great great thing. How important is it for their development to to see the people that come out and root them on in the community like that? We asked Mickey what it was like when he saw his baseball card or when he signed an autograph. When they go out to an event like that in the community and the kids come up to him as a manager, how important is it for you to see them and how they handle themselves there as much as when they're here at the ballpark and on the field? I think it's even more important because um, you got to remember you're a person first and you treat people the same way that you'd want to be treated. And I think that um, the interaction with the fans there, I mean, the reason why baseball is around is because of the fans. They come out, the entertainment, um, I think it's it's extremely important. Um, and I still, I think of probably one of my dad's favorite quotes that I like is that, you know, like when you see guys that don't sign autographs and things like that, that one day they're not going to ask for your autograph. So, you know, take full advantage of when they do because they, they want to be you, they want to be like you. So so enjoy it and enjoy the, enjoy the ride. All right, well, before we let you go to coach your game, uh, what's it like to be part of the fraternity of coaches in the Philadelphia organization? We've talked to Pat and Mike and Greg and some of the other coaches and they all seem to you all seem to communicate with each other a lot as part of this organization I think that's uh, like you even said the transition of, of coming up here I think that's a huge part of what makes it easier is that um, the communication that we have throughout the organization uh, with the managers the coaches everybody um, it makes it easy for the players when they transition because um, we keep in contact and you know talking to Legger or Gary Jones or talking to Marty that's in high A like there's there's always that great communication. We, we're friends and um, we work well together, but it, I think it helps with us and, and even more importantly, it helps with the players. So it keeps the continuity um, throughout the organization. Well, we appreciate you spending a couple minutes with us and we look, we look forward to talking with you throughout the season. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. We are here with pitcher David Parkinson. David, how you doing today, man? Not bad, thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about what it's like coming to spring training this year after the experience that you got last Last year out here uh, on, on, honestly it's about the same um, I think that the thing I did really well last year is I tried to keep the even keel and try not to let things get too high or too low um, so coming in with the same expectations not trying to focus on results but trying to focus on like what I can do to get better in the offseason did you give yourself a break I mean you had such success last year did you kind of rest on it for a little bit before you got back to it or what's your routine like I mean I wouldn't consider it a break I took I took a little bit of time off from throwing to rest my arm but that's that's something more for health reasons than like uh, accomplishment um, but that that first few weeks I was back I just kind of laid low for a little bit let my body like kind of catch up I, like you asked if I hit a wall I guess that was when I hit my wall once I got out of the season and everything kind of relaxed I really felt the uh, fatigued I guess after that um, so that's that's where I kind of took my time and just relaxed and after my body caught back up I, uh, I picked it up and got back after that's when the adrenaline rush from the season wore off a little yeah, bit I think that's probably what it they're was. like yeah I just did this all yeah. season I don't know if it was just that or if it was just everything caught back up to me I was like hey you just pitched what 130 innings how's your body feel now so 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 you're a Virginia boy growing mm -hmm. up and I saw a previous interview you said you were an Orioles fan and you watched Cal Ripken a lot growing I up. did um, I wasn't I didn't watch you a watch lot of sports when I was younger. I was incredibly ADD. So, I mean, my parents always had sports on. I mean, like, I remember watching football all the time, but I, 
I can look back in my life now and I remember like watching football. I never got past like the first quarter because I would want to go outside and play. Um, I just couldn't sit still. Um, since then, I think about like mid high school, I started watching baseball more. Um, but I remember like watching the Orioles. My dad was a big, big fan of the Orioles. And the Nationals came around, and of course, I was born right outside of DC, so unintentionally, we're a Nationals fan. Um, so you can talk to Bryce about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can. <laughs> Wait, so so you said that you don't like to sit still. Yeah, no. So so you're a pitcher, but you don't, you're only going to pitch five once every five days. That's 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 where it's tough. That's um, the irony of this, huh? Yeah. So sitting in the dugout is definitely one of the more tough things to do um, because. You want to find something to do. You don't uh -huh. want to sit there. Um, but I, honestly, I think I found my uh, my inner peace and in actually looking at the game more and actually paying attention to things. Because even though I may not be doing anything with my body, I'm still trying to learn while I'm out there while I'm just watching the game go on. It may be something small, but just you know, keeping an eye on everything that's happening. Is there any causing any mischief in the dugout? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Like what? Just messing around with each other. Yeah. I mean, got to keep it light. Uh huh. You got to have you're fun with, with each you're other. You're with somebody for. What, 140 games yeah. this season, so you're going to have to have some You fun. lose track at this yeah. point with all the yeah, time you, you guys spend. Who was the biggest prankster on your team last year biggest from Clearwater? Prankster. From Clearwater? Yeah. I don't know if we really had, uh, I mean, Betty. Ben Bettencourt's pretty, pretty uh, he pulls a shenanigans. He like, pulls a joke yeah. every once in a while. Yeah, he does. What's it like you uh, growing up, you, you almost made it to the Little League World Series, a couple mm -hmm. games away. Was it like to have some of that success growing up before you even got to college? We'll get to what you got there, but you, you reached levels that people don't get to as a young man. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't really remember much about that season. Um, it's hard, for, it's hard for me. Like I remember, like obviously, like the results. I remember everything that happened, and I remember like certain points in the season that kind of turned things around. Um, but first off, I wasn't a pitcher back then. I was a position player, played outfield. Um, so I mean, it, it's just different. Um, but you definitely you learn how to win from that age. Um, I could go a little bit deeper into that, but I'd rather not about things, the the participation and everything like that. Like my my dad taught me that participation wasn't wasn't what you do you play to win and you don't get rewarded if you don't win that's what my dad taught me so you don't have a bunch of participation trophies participation. jeff loves to hear that by the way you just put a big smile on his face yeah. yes um, you now have another fan you, you do have another fan how did you end up going from the outfield to pitcher Ooh, i think it was middle school um my first year in middle school i, I always pitched too but i was like I spent more time in the cages than I did working on pitching or anything like that. Obviously, I worked on pitching too, but um, I really switched over. I think it was my sixth grade year um, when I found out that everybody else was growing a lot quicker than me um, and I wasn't fast enough to play in the outfield anymore. Um, but I still I still had a decent arm, and I could still still pitch a little bit, so I really focused on that. Yeah, I'd say you um, have a decent arm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, back then, you'd be surprised, actually. I was usually about, about every single level I was at, I was always one of the softer throwers. Um, so that, that, I guess that taught me how to pitch in the long run. But, but doesn't that also serve as a benefit? It because does, Because if you know you're not blowing kids away, you get to do something. As somebody who coached a little bit of little kids, mm -hmm. it, it always amazed me the kid that 
throws hardest doesn't learn how to pitch. Yeah, they um, just send them out there to oh throw yeah. hard. No, that that definitely that, that that taught me how to pitch. Taught me how to throw off speed in the zone. Um, not not in middle school, but like come come high school age, I I, I relied more on my uh, my command and my off speed pitches and being able to throw in any count. So that that definitely taught me how to pitch. All right. So you, you said that you finally got to to wind down a little bit after the season. What what does David Parkinson do in the off season to to relax? I do a lot of things. Um, I like to stay outside yeah. more than anything. Um, I, like I said, still still don't want to be inside for a long time. Um, obviously, you got those nights where you just want to watch movies and stuff, but uh, I actually I did a lot of hiking with my girlfriends, uh, visited my brother out in Vegas, and did a lot of hiking out there, too. Um, did you get to do any fishing? No, actually. Uh, once I come down here is when I fish. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, when I go back to Virginia, if I go back to Virginia, like in the in the off season, about like winterish time, I can do some like striper fishing up there. Um, but I, I'm not back for long enough because I go back to Mississippi actually for workouts and stuff. Um, so, so do you have a Cole Urban made pole? No, I don't. He's, so, so I, I believe he's a fly fisher, right? So, so he makes all kinds of fishing rods. Okay. Apparently, apparently, we when we interviewed him last season, he said he made one for Charlie Manuel in his hotel room. And so you may want right. to hit him up and I, I see, if, yeah. see if he can get you a nice fishing rod. He's <laughs> apparently really into I believe it. he has a brand now. It's the Swervin brand. Yeah. yeah. He's out there uh -huh. making I'll it. I'll have to look at that. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a good time. So what's it like for you to carry on the Mississippi legacy? You played your college ball there. Obviously, some special experience for mm -hmm. you. What's it like to take that forward now? It's awesome. Um, mostly because I believe... I believe that where I played, not just at Mississippi, but honestly in the SEC, kind of prepared me for this. Um, not not in the fact that you know other conferences don't have talent out there, but it's the it's the fact that every single weekend you're out there and you're you're you got to play your best or else you're going to get smacked around. So um, I think that really taught me how to play in professional ball because you know you're playing with guys who are incredibly talented all the time. And one of Jeff's favorite questions is, what's your favorite walk-up music would be? But you actually had a walk-out music from the bullpen at mess right yes i did um and that's actually that's actually stuck with me it's uh, when the levee breaks by led zeppelin that's always been my, my how'd you end up with that you know when i was a f sophomore at Ole miss um i knew that you had a walk out song so i, I was kind of like just listening around like trying to find you know songs that would like kind of like get me going a little bit and i ended up hearing that. I've always been a fan of Led Zeppelin. I, I listen to a lot of different music. Um, and that one kind of like got me like tingling a little bit. So I was like, this is the one. And sure enough, it's a great song to walk out to. All right. So what, what would be on your top five playlist? Get ready for a game. That's a tough question. Uh-oh. Uh like really, we asked the hard-hitting really one. That really is a tough question. That, that can vary. I mean, it depends yeah. on my mood, honestly. Um, I mean, it can vary from country, hard rock, uh, Christian music, all like all over the spectrum. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So you change it from game to game. It, yeah, um, there. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I change it from game to game. What's it like? I've, I've seen you talk in prior interviews about maintaining your focus. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your routine like? Obviously, there's focus in game, and then there's that five day routine in between starts. And you, you mentioned not wanting to sit around. Mm -hmm. How do you get focused and incredibly, get yourself ready? Incredibly strict. Um, every single day, 
So, what, say, say I'm on a six-man rotation. Every single day was the same. So, you know, the following day after my start, um, I'd get my running in, or actually do my dry work, throw, get my running in, go upstairs, and I'd lift. Um, as soon as I was done lifting, go down for BP, finish BP up. Um, and, and following day, uh, I had a bullpen, and it would be the same exact thing, but I'd have my bullpen, then I'd run, then I'd lift. Um, and, and, like... It wasn't, it wasn't just, like, the same thing every day, but, like, I kind of, as long as, like, the times were the same. Most games are about 7 o'clock. I, I got to the field the exact same time, ate at the exact same time. Everything was just on the schedule. Um, I'm, I'm weirdly OCD. I'm OCD about my own schedule. I'm not OCD about, like, cleanliness. I'm OCD about time and stuff. Um, and <laughs> Your roommate won't be happy to hear that. Huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not messy by any means, but, but I'm not, like. Good correction. I'm not, like, you know, everything's folded perfectly and all mm-hmm. that. But um, no, I'm, I just I just want to be like I want to feel the exact same every time I go out, and I think that that's what that creates. How do you maintain the same schedule with all the travel that you have to do? So if you're on if you're on a bus for 13 hours, how do you, how do you maintain a routine? Show up at the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're on the bus, but I mean, what I do outside the field isn't the same thing that I do in the field. Okay. Um, so I mean, when I'm on the road, it's a little bit different because you know you got to lift at different times. Right. You got to put, but you still have the same schedule. So I mean, um, I may miss a lift. I may miss a lift. Like, say, say I started, then we travel. I may miss the lift the following day, but I'll pick it up that the day afterwards, and I'll keep going from there. What whatever you're doing is obviously working. Um, last year, you were named the Phillies minor league pitcher of the year. What was it like to go to Citizens Bank Park and, and, and kind of walk around and have that introduction? It was really cool. Um, it was a really cool experience. Uh, you know, the one thing I realized, like, the, the further I've gotten into pro ball, I guess, is that when I was younger, you kind of almost, like, idolize those guys and, and see them as something so untangible. Um, and the closer you get, the, the more you realize that and the less, I guess, hype comes. I don't want to say hype because, obviously, it's big leagues, but um, the, the, the end goal doesn't seem as far away. Um, and it's comforting and scary at the same time because you don't want to get comfortable. Um, but just going to keep doing what I'm doing. You obviously had a ton of success last year, as you mentioned, but you moved a lot. You moved from Williamsport to Clearwater. You moved up to Lakewood. What, what was that like for you to have such change and, and continue to have that same stability and success? Um, I actually I talked to somebody about this before. Um, the biggest difference I saw was in my own mental state. Um, when I moved to Clearwater, when I came out of the bullpen the first game, I didn't have time to think, so I just pitched. Um, but the following I was my first start, and, and, I, and I built it up in my head way too much I you know I thought that making a jump up was going to make a huge difference in talent level and the speed of the game and everything so on and so forth so I put it in my head that these guys are going to be like 10 times better than absolutely like 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 basically this is a different level so these guys are way better and, and, it's, and by doing that I created a problem in my own head saying you got to pitch better to beat these guys instead of just continuing to do what I did um, and I didn't I didn't do bad in that game um, but it definitely wasn't my best and like looking looking back in the results they weren't bad but in, in the in the process uh, in the process of the game itself it was pretty bad for me. 
All right, final question. Last year, who was your favorite manager? Favorite manager? Oh, that's a tough one. You're going to make him call it out, Jeff. That's not fair. <laughs> I love that's that. the right answer. That's the right answer. No, we, we, we've loved following. Not Borders might be a good answer, too. Yeah, we got Borders coming up a little bit later. Okay. But uh, it's we wish you the best of success continued because it's been fun to watch you continue to grow as a pitcher and really figure out you know how you want to pitch the game and how you want to work it. So we appreciate the time and, and look forward to continuing following you as uh, you keep moving through the system. Appreciate that. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks all for having me. Jeff, I always like looking back and, and hearing some of the interviews we did. And, and like we said before the interviews, you could tell this team was going to do something special this year. I think that with everything that happened and everything that, that the way that they prepare, this was a team that was kind of destined to get this place. You know, they started off slow at the beginning of the season and then just ramped it up as the season went on. And fans can go out and support the team the next couple of days. Tell them after Reading, where are they? They're going to be in Trenton, which is just up the road from Philadelphia. So oh, Those games usually do not sell out. If I were you, I'd get over there and I'd turn that Yankee Blue Stadium red. That is a great opportunity. Any final thoughts for the week, Jeff, before we sign off uh, and throw it over? Uh, this is this series is best out of five. It ain't over yet. And keep in mind, there's a chance that if they get to a game five, it might be Spencer Howard again. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Now we hand it over to Greg Caserta and Kirsten Carbach for game two as they take you up to first pitch for the Fightins here on 610 ESPN. We'll be back next week. Have a great one. Bye-bye.